I'm your host, Richie Buzzkill, filling in for the uh, bedrest-ridden Brendan Carrion. So uh, we don't know what he's got. He probably doesn't have the plague, but uh, he takes some rest, so get well soon. You know, Brendan, drinking a little beer tonight, talking to Ashley. How are you doing, Ashley? I am doing better than Brendan, but not as good as you, so I'm like halfway between. Because I don't have beer, don't feel great, but I'm not like laid up in bed or anything like that. So, also not the plague. Excellent, excellent. Yes, yes. Gabe joins us again. How are you doing, Gabe? Uh, I'm doing good. I don't have beer, but uh, I do have coffee and uh, holiday creamer because I'm basic like that. But other than that, I'm doing uh, pretty good. Which one do you have? Sugar cookie. Mm, okay. <laughs> Sugar cookie's pretty good. I don't know. That sounds pretty basic to me. So It's very basic, but it's, it's good. It's real <laughs> It's, it's it's real basic. I went through a, a string where I only drank black coffee, and then I kind of just got tired of it. So now I'm full basic when it comes to coffee. You went like the other end of the spectrum on that. <laughs> it's like, yeah. yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, tonight's going to be a little interesting. We'll see how this goes, but uh, I think it might be time to journey forth into the universe through the black hole of role-playing games those that thing that that takes up our time and energy and brings us to all new levels of universal knowledge so ashley what have you been up to yeah well um my my big plan that was out of the ordinary was i wanted to play alice is missing i had gotten that on um i believe it was a kickstarter uh, yeah. a little while back and it came in and i was really excited to play it and i had the box set out and did not look at it ahead of time rookie mistake but i did not look at it ahead of time and so we went to play it and i was like fuck yeah so i like took the book out was looking through and there's stuff you need to print out so for anyone who wants to play alice is missing just so you know you can't just take it out of the box and play it there's stuff that you have to do separately i was pretty bummed um but that next episode i will be able to talk about it um Good story. I was going to play this thing, and I didn't, so there's that. Um, so I'm excited for that. Um, I know Gabe said that he had played it once. Did you like it, Gabe? I really enjoyed it. Um, I actually found it. I I want to say that the, the author of that had uh, bundled it in a kind of like a, a fundraiser type of thing for frontline workers, and mm. it was like a donate what you can in like these 15 creators have donated their game and okay. my dm had apparently like found it that way and we had you know played it as a one-shot replacement um for our 5e game but i thought it was great but i'm also like really big into like no name games and stuff so yeah for sure cool well i'm excited to play it i'll be able to talk more about that next time then um mamry alpha we are in the middle of was intended to be a one shot for halloween um but it's like a ghost shape ghost chasers arc so we're in a haunted house and we have to find the ghost and like take a picture of it and whatever so we're in the middle of it's three because we can't ever do anything in the amount right. of time that we're supposed to so we're on like episode three of that one um we 
Pathfinder one and two, still going with that. But the uh, crew from the Pathfinder one campaign, we our barbarian always does a holiday one shot. Like she actually GMs it. So we're in the middle of planning our holiday one shot for that, which I'm excited about because it's always ridiculous and fun. So um, Pathfinder two is I don't know if it's the module that we're playing because we're playing the um, Plague Stone module in Pathfinder two. Um, we almost got a TPK last time, and wow. our our characters are all way overpowered. Like we're way power- more powerful than we should be, and we still got fucked up. Like our wizard ran out of spell slots. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, two of us almost really, really died. Um, all four of us came pretty close. So I don't know if we need another player or what, but it was it's. It's rough. That one's rough going. So yeah. um, it's fun. And I've never had a TPK. I would like one. Yeah. I think that'd be fun. <laughs> it can be if done correctly. But I, we had a, uh, we were playing uh, Rise of the Rune Lords back in the day. And like, uh-huh. it, yeah, the, I think it was like an ogre with a human bane weapon or something. One shot at our uh-huh. cleric. So, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I think we need a healer because um, yeah. we have our, our druid, but he isn't um, he he's just one druid. So maybe we need a cleric mm. or something like that. But anyway, yeah. How do you like yeah. Pathfinder 2E? I've been wanting to check it. it out. Yeah, I like it. Um, there's there. It's similar to Pathfinder 1 a lot, but it's there are just a few little differences like uh, the number of actions and how you take them is a little different. Um, I'm, I'm liking it, but this, like I said, this this adventure path thing that we're on is is hard because <laughs> this is a lot of the same group that I play in my Pathfinder 1 campaign with and we're, we're fine, but this one's different. It's challenging, so it's fun. I like it. That's cool. But that's me. That's what I've got going on. Oh, my niece is playing D&D with her little, she's 11, and oh, her and her awesome. boyfriend and one of his friends are playing, and so it's exciting to see her getting into it, too. But yeah, that's it. Sweet. I mean, that sounds like uh, you're still doing stuff, so that's, in the year, oh, yeah, often sure. is difficult with that. Is uh, Menry Affle going to publish an episode soon? Am I... <laughs> the age-old question. Right. Yes, uh, we are planning on... Um, january okay january we're gonna start dropping episodes again so you heard it here first we haven't announced that yet but um yeah we just wanted to make sure we had a good backlog for danny so she doesn't have to go crazy editing so yeah yeah no i i totally understand that Uh, yep (laughs) yeah so uh gabe what have you been up to we finally finished our edge of the empire campaign and man Genesis system came out of nowhere for me and just like swept me like under my feet and just changed how I think about role playing. I know that for some people that's a little crazy, but what a great game. I really, it's the Star Wars game I always wanted to play. (laughs) Like it really, but we finally ended our campaign. The gist of the campaign is we were a bunch of, uh, you know, regular bounty hunters and, uh, traders and whatnot got roped up in a conflict between the rebels and the empire, and it ended with a great big two-session battle uh, aboard a giant uh, star destroyer, and we ended up joining the rebel alliance. And it was 
really sweet. I really enjoyed it. So um, that was a game I played that was DM'd by my friend Stefan. We did that. Uh, I recently bought Cult, 4th edition, which is Divinity Lost. And I really like that. Um, I like that it's using Powered by the Apocalypse because I think it's a really good storytelling engine uh, alone. Mm -hmm. uh, and, but trying to get people to join <laughs> and want to play it is the difficult thing because hey, hey, you, you kind of got to be... Cult? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's that. And then I also... Not to sound like an edgelord, I don't want to try to. I don't want to censor the book because Fourth Edition is trying to return itself to uh, the original court uh, cult origins, and mm. it being a very adult and explicit game. So to kind of take that away from it would kind of be well, you're not really playing cult, are you? So I have two players interested, and they're like, I'd be down to play for you know maybe four or five sessions, but I don't know if I can do a long campaign. So that's been a but uh, got that going. I like Cult. And then I bought a great big box of some new stuff from Cobalt Press to just kind of bolster up my 5e uh, bestiary and monster codexes and all that. So lots of book buying. Well, of course, tis, tis the season for the, the, the end of the year uh, book buying. Um, Cult is really interesting. I would like to... I need to read more of that book. Uh, I definitely listened to the uh, Red Moon role-playing uh, actual play, which is fantastic. I didn't listen to the whole thing yet, but because it's really long, it's like... I don't know. I, uh, when they were in, there was like 70 episodes or something at that point. Um, uh, but it, it's it's very interesting. I'm, I think we might do a deep dive on Cult because we're all very interested mm -hmm. in that game. So... Uh, stay tuned for that. Um, it's it's definitely a game that um, you need to, in a very respectful and non gatekeepery way, um, be like cool with who you play with because it's definitely a game that's built on atmosphere. And if you have players that are you know very door kicky and they like you know just beer and pretzels games, it's probably not going to interest them, and it probably won't hit the mood you're looking for. But um, it's it thrives on um, atmosphere and storytelling and whatnot, kind of pulling and itching that tiny bit of White Wolf uh, storyteller that I enjoy. But I love it uh, from what I've read. I, I'm just trying to find one other person to play cult with because you need a minimum of three. And I'm very upfront with the content in it because... I like to be respectful and not just bam, drop some content on you that you weren't really prepared for. <laughs> so, well, if you, uh, if you come on the discord server, I'm sure if you said, Hey, I'm looking for somebody to play cult. I mean, if you got, I don't know if you're going to play in person or on online. I mean, just discord. I'm sure. So I'm sure somebody would be like, Hey, I want to play cult. So I'm sure. Yeah. Um, we have, we have some great people on there that are on there all the time that are, you know, always up for interesting stuff. So, um, I have, uh, I have been, you know, also acquiring things. Um, I'll get to my new favorite thing at the end, but, uh, I, uh, my, my lovely wife, Stephanie, uh, for our anniversary in September order, actually she ordered in August, uh, from the Rook, the Raven, the Rook and the Raven, a campaign diary. And she, she kind of like revealed it before she ordered it. And she's like, which, cause it, it's basically like you can put 
your it's like a little notebook that you can rearrange that has your character sheets and your no mm-hmm. notes all into one uh, kind of customizable notebook. And it, it, it's really nice looking, but it took till this week to get it. So <laughs> just beware that it may take time. If Because I got the, I told her I, I was looking at, even then we were talking about doing Vampire 5th. So I get the Vampire 5th module uh, in, in the book and it's, it, it has everything. It even has a line for pronouns, which is fantastic oh, on the character cool. sheet, which is... Uh, which is really cool. It's got, you know, location, date, session number on the top of the diary session. And it's got a whole relationship part. It's, it's, it's really nice. It's well graphic designed. Um, it's a nice little, it's, it's maybe an indie book size. That's, that may be one of my disappointments is I would have preferred it to be more of a bigger standard school notebook size or, a little mm-hmm. bit bigger just because, but it, it seems like, and you could actually make it uh, left-handed friendly because you could, you could flip the pages over. So, um, that's awesome. I've seen those before and those are really cool that you have your one nice book for your character, the campaign that you're doing. Cause I have next to my podcasting slash roll 20 slash discord, whatever station, my laptop and everything set up. I have, a shelf next to it and I have books for each of my characters and the campaigns I'm in so it's like I have to switch them out and some of them I have two different characters in it's a pain in the ass so that sounds really cool to have something that's just that yeah and I typically will pick up because we have just random notebooks laying around I will pick up a, if I feel like it's going to be a serious campaign I'll pick up the notebook mm-hmm. and I will start taking notes and drawing maps because that's the kind of uh crazy i am so i will start Mm -hmm. taking like pretty detailed notes until i realize that they're not worth it (laughs) yeah yeah. dedicated i'm the dedicated note taker in my uh in every campaign i'm in because i have a big like moleskin uh hardcover notebook and i basically just jot down notes for everything and mm-hmm. after two years, my first notebook of those is finally being filled up. And like, oh. it's kind of funny because everybody around me knows that, oh yeah, that's Gabe's D&D notebook for every game I'm in. So everyone's like, just waiting, like, is it is it full yet? Because I have the, re- the replacement, like for my new one. Uh-huh. But uh, yeah, it's just kind of crazy because I've already started flipping through it and gone, oh, September 15th, 2019. I remember this game, you know? Yeah. like It's kind of cool to f- flip back and reflect and actually remember all of those games. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. I like that. It's like a journal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, it's always it's always fun to go wait they did we we did what <laughs> yeah right mm-hmm. um but then i got uh tasha's cauldron of everything because i i do like to uh look at the world's largest role-playing game to see what's going on and kind of uh what's what's moving what's shaking uh mm-hmm. i it it you know i was sort of promised that the they were redoing races so they were mm-hmm. more of a culture and they did it, but I feel like they didn't go far enough with it. So um, there's lots of what I think it did better than that was gave you more uh, options for levels. So when you level up, the game master can say, oh, yeah, you can also have that power or you can also say you can choose between that uh, power skill or whatever it is on, on level for all the different classes 
which is pretty cool. I think that's something, you know, you kind of gain and loss when you took feats from being this the the most thing, you know, everything Pathfinder and 3.5 was feet, feet, feats. And mm-hmm. then 5th edition is like, well, you get one feat every few levels, which or or not, you know, depending on whether that's allowed. So that's what I think is uh, kind of the most interesting part. And they tried to give more options for your like secondary class for each class. So that uh, I think it was it's if you're interested in more player options, I think it's a, a worthy book to pick up. So I'm just happy that you can technically be a low strength like orc or something <laughs> yeah. for the first time. Because I played in the when Tomb of Annihilation came out, um, I played a uh, man, what's their name? They're the lizard race. Oh man, I'm blanking on this, but I played one of those and uh, I was a barbarian and my whole thing was that, well, I, I wanted to be just kind of like a nerdy guy like that and instead of having all the strength. So I ended up just saying that he was uh, an antique collector that just was a strong man for fun. And it was <laughs> funny and cool, but like I'm just really happy now that I can make an orc or any other strength heavy class and just say, you know what, they're just a really smart wizard that enjoys like tea and collecting mm-hmm. knickknacks like they're they're not that strong <laughs> so well it makes it it makes an actual like instead of being a stereotype it, it makes it something that you can like like there's always like the the shaman right that kind of completely breaks the rules of how you if you had to create make a character you couldn't really make a shaman kind of thing in a lot of these other races or wizards or whatever so allowing you know you you're brought up different you have a different culture you have a different focus it you know you could it pretty much opens up those the the i like cultures better than races because i think it's a little weird but yeah and i think the unfortunate thing is that um and i don't think they like uh buckled down or anything because of it but describing that to a couple people um in in rpg circle i've been they immediately just went for the whole, oh, it's just they're trying to be SJW, blah, 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 blah. Like, what's wrong mm-hmm. with racials? And it's just this whole ball of you're just immediately looking at it at the most political way possible. It's just letting people be a nerdy orc or mm-hmm. diving deeper into their backstory and how that plays a part of them. And I think that some people are just never going to try out those options because they immediately think that it's trying to politicize or you know, quote unquote, soften the game, which is just stupid in my opinion. Yeah. I don't Mm -hmm. disagree with you. I just think that anybody that thinks, Oh, it's not like they took your player's handbook off your shelf and burned it and say, you have to use this. So (laughs) yeah, it's not a patch for a video game. (laughs) Right. But Mm -hmm. it will, it will, uh, you know, it will, put people they they will they will think of it that way but there's really no reason like it totally says this is optional you it's like the old players option books back in the day like you oh yeah the game master can say that we're going to do this or not like whatever (laughs) yeah and like the thing with that too is that um there's like that that's what those books are are for like you're saying like i i've ran um my main campaign for going on almost four and a half years something like that and uh it's kind of low magic and i always let a couple new players in for these you know in between seasons and a lot of them have gone oh well can i be lizard folk or can i be a kenku and i've just gone "Mm, no 
You know, it's, I don't like that. And that's kind of how I treat those same options. And I think kind of like you're, what you're saying, people just immediately think that, you know, they're kicking your door down and taking your PHP and then just throwing it like, into a fireplace or something. Well, and just make, you know, they, they say, oh, well, just because it exists, it makes a statement that I'm not welcome. It's like, no, it's literally right. opening it up so everyone is welcome. Like, right. like <laughs> dude, it's, fuck off. I, I could, we could make a podcast alone on how so many people just think that it's like just almost like the the super sensitive people when it comes to um inclusiveness and stuff like oh my god you're trying to force this agenda down and it's like no we're just trying to recognize that certain people have been waiting their turn to be represented in the game for a very long time mm-hmm. you know just because the people that are in the book as the players have looked like you for as long as whatever, or what you think you look like, because um, not everyone is the hero that they think they are, um, doesn't mean that just because there are options for other people takes away from your experience at all. So, Oh, my favorite thing, um, <laughs> just to tack this on real quick, my favorite, my favorite piece of artwork in the PHB for 5e is the picture of an uh, Asian woman, and she's in full samurai armor, and there's mm-hmm. zero boob armor. She's yep. just like in full blown like plate mail with her samurai swords, looking down. Mm-hmm. That's the most badass photo in the entire yep. book. Yeah, and I'm so happy that boob armor is gone. Like right. I just, <laughs> I because I personally think that if you're playing a woman in role playing and you yep. have full plate mail, you look sick as shit like you yeah. look so fucking cool right yeah mm-hmm. like Bri- i agree brianna tarth right you, that's yes <laughs> yeah <laughs> sir brianne yeah um yep but yeah, it's so, so you know we we do a podcast about that because it's called the politics <laughs> and role playing uh, segment uh, episodes. You should if you're interested, you should see all of them. Uh, we're going to do another one in January, and that's kind of the wrap up of what I'm going to call season one of that because I think we're going to do more. If I had to know, because I, oh, I know a guy, <laughs> so yeah. let, let me loose because oh man, I got I got some hot takes when it comes Good. to that. Excellent, excellent. That's exactly what we're looking for, and you're going to hold those yeah. till we do those episodes. Uh, yes. <laughs> and then finally, I got my dirty little mitts, my dirty little chromed fingertips on Cyberpunk Red. Yes, the hefty, hefty tome of the new version of cyberpunk and so far i'm very happy of what i've seen uh you can you can basically get through the first hundred pages because they're mostly charts in about an hour uh (laughs) but uh it is uh i haven't finished reading it yet but i think we're gonna get a little deeper i'm gonna try and figure out how to run something run it very very soon uh it, they, I think they've made some good upgrades of what I've read so far from uh, 2020 and the version that shall not be named. Because uh, they, they had a v, – their Cyberpunk V3 is a, is a version of Cyberpunk that all, everybody agrees that – I mean, it doesn't even have Defenders like 4th edition of Dungeons & Dragons does. Like nobody liked 3rd edition <laughs> Cyberpunk, which is kind of an interesting uh, statement on – that particular thing mm-hmm. um but uh it's a beautiful tome it is quite hefty 
but it's very airy. The uh, it's got a lot of uh, chart, big charts with lots of space in them. Easy to read, very gra well graphic designed. Um, yeah, and it's deadly. So what more you want? Quick, deadly <laughs> cyberpunk. Nice. <laughs> So yeah, I know you've been I, looking forward to that. That's exciting. Yeah, I, I'm really interested to hear what you've said because I've called around to a, a few places and they've just told me, like, you know, in the most polite form, like, ha, good luck getting a copy. So I'm like, <laughs> oh, all right. And I can get the PDF, but eh, I, I have a wall of books that I want to add to. Well, and we'll get we'll get to the wall of books here in a minute. It's yep. our show topic. <laughs> um yeah, I uh, I had been uh, bugging uh, Dave and Patty over at the depot for about a week and a half, uh, trying to get like I came in multiple times. In the you know, it's kind of it's kind of sad to go into game stores right now because there's nobody in there and they're just sitting there like and, yeah. and, and and you know it's the times we're in, but uh, you know I was gonna go, I think I. I was going to go in, but then Brendan's like, hey, I'm going to go in. Are you, do you want me to pick up your copy? I'm like, yes. Yes, mm -hmm. I do. So I, he was able to get my copy for me, and he has a copy himself. So we're going to – I think we're going to be uh, digging deep on that one too. So, I mean, yeah. stay tuned. <laughs> um. So yeah, that's about it. Uh, I think we should maybe uh, we'll, we'll segue into the topic here of the role-playing game treadmill consumption acquisition culture and the Kickstarter bubble. Um, I think this this topic uh, is something we kind of talk about a lot. Uh, kind of Brendan and I talk about this a tremendous amount, and just like like do we you know is Kickstarter over is, is cause you don't see, cause it's not like the days of like 2016 to 2018 where you were like every other week there was, there was a couple of, uh, uh, new Kickstarters. You're like, Holy shit, I got to get that. Where like now it's like, well, once a month, maybe I'll find something that's it or somebody will pull my attention to it. Um, but mm -hmm. why do we continue to, buy more games when we're not necessarily going to be able to run the games we bought already so uh <laughs> um does anybody have anything they'd like to kick kick their uh kick it off with uh i think that uh, a lot of that has to do with just having that itch to scratch like it's like uh you you are used to buying these books and you love them and you have your shelves full of books and all of that and you're used to writing that high of the 2016 to 2018 where it's just so much and all of that so now it's you're you're just trying to kind of chase that high, if you will, where if you see something that you're like, this might be OK, like it's not what you want necessarily, but it's there and it's something that'll do. That's kind of how I see that. Yeah, I, I, I think it's it's more of a I think it's like kind of the point where we reached saturation on on Kickstarters and mm -hmm. you, we didn't I was not seeing anything that we hadn't seen before kind of thing where I think like as we went from 2019 and then the, you know, the dark spiral that has been 2020, like there hasn't mm. been like, like these amazing new ideas have not been like, mm -hmm. uh, brought out. And maybe it's because, you know, the, the, there was just this like wink, 
this wellspring of ideas that kind of has run dry a little bit. Um, yeah. Go ahead. I, I definitely see that when it comes to like OSR Kickstarters, um, because when you go back to like 2016 or so, you kind of like, at least I see it this way, you kind of see the middle of the big OSR like bubble. I would say, um, because around 2016, you had big projects come out like Maze of the Blue Medusa. You had, um, that's really when LOTFP was kicking off with like modules every other month and whatnot. So you had all of this OSR saturation and you had a lot of BX D&D uh, clones also going up on Kickstarter. And it, it's just at that time, it's like, oh, that's cool. I want to get this. I want to get this. I want to get this. And you start tacking everything on. I think that's around the time uh, Advanced Labyrinth Lord like finally released a full compendium in one book because I remember like wanting to snack that. Um, and I feel like after all of that time, you know, the last time I was talking to you guys, we kind of briefly mentioned this, but there's really no difference between which flavor of OSR you run. And I think people are kind of realize that. So now, at least for the OSR front, people aren't really buying up these games because it's this page differently than we did last time and it's you know it's kind of like what you said it's run dry it's not really innovating anything it's just another release with some new cool wizard artwork um, yeah. so at least that's why i've really stopped backing those kickstarters um in itself but i i kind of agree with your statement that it's it's a well that's kind of run dry well i, I think there's still plenty of ideas that haven't been tried yet i think that like somewhat the I mean, I'm, I'm sure if you went and did like one of those, like, you know, looked at all the data and like looked at the chart of what, how, you know, what was being backed. I think these, these, especially in the role playing space, I think there's still these gigantic board games, but they're happening le few, less often. But like the gigantic uh, role playing game RPGs, I think I'm hoping the audience finally realized that. When you when you're promised fifty books, you're not going to get fifty books, uh, in one series. Like if you look at like the Seventh C, or my even that that the Kickstarter that makes me even a little more uh, grumble, which is Katai, um, that it takes years to write these giant manual sized books, and to really put money on them before they're finished is kind of a it. it I mean, it's not a store. It's it's kind of a you know, hey, I'm a fan. I'm gonna give you some money for this thing, and and we're, I think, you know, finally, I'm hoping people are realizing, hey, you know, maybe we should wait till people have a bit more proof that they've actually done something. I know yeah, that it really is an investment. Yeah, it, it's it's very much like I, you know, every once in a while I'll tally up how much how many Kickstarters I still haven't received, and then mm -hmm. I uh, I cry myself to sleep, and then. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and then I wake up and go, eh, okay, someday, someday I'll see some of this. I won't see all of it, but. Well, and you're saying that it's, it's not a store, but that's one of the things I've seen is that there are these big companies that could be putting these games out on their own that are using Kickstarter as a way to do that instead of putting the costs up front. Like, uh, this isn't an actual game, but Vox Machina, the, um, the Critical Role guys did a Kickstarter for like an animated series and things like that, that they wanted to do. Um, it's they have enough money to do that that's the thing like they kickstarted it for seven hundred fifty thousand, and it reached over a million dollars in like less than an hour i think it ended up making like over 11 million dollars on kickstarter like 
that's that money could have gone to some of the other indie games that need something like Kickstarter to put it out there, but it didn't, you know? So I don't know, like there are people that are using it like a store and that kind of, that kind of sucks a little bit. Well, I think they're actually producing that at Amazon now. So like it's, Mm -hmm. it, it, in, in a way they're like, they're, they're, they kind of use that as a stepping stone to like get, it's a marketing campaign somewhat mm-hmm. like because there's a lot of people that make uh do kickstarters that you know like you've never heard of but then because it's a kickstarter and people you know find it like oh it's interesting they share the kickstarter but mm-hmm. i think somewhat the malaise of uh of uh social medias also occurred over the last year and a half two years that kind of has dampened that effect i think i I don't know at least for me anyways this is this is more about me being kind of tired of kickstarter (laughs) i think it's brendan being tired of kickstarter and and, Uh and social medias and like everything about that like i'm just i'm just so tired of of the say seeing the same game over and over again that it's like, well, the art, the cover looks cool, and we might see it in two years. Uh... <laughs> I think everyone's burnt out on everything right now, so I could see that just being thrown in with all of it. But I like Kickstarter as a platform for the indie developers and things like that to get out there because, like you said, it is good for marketing, and it is good to get that head start on the funding for it. And yes, it might take a little while for the game to come out, but this might be a really cool game that otherwise wouldn't be able to be out there. Like uh, Demigods by Jason Mills. That's one that is running behind schedule, but I am, I have been excited for that game since I found out about it. And he probably wouldn't have been able to do it if he hadn't been able to have a Kickstarter to fund it, you know? So I think it's really good for its intended purpose, but I don't know if it's overblown into something else. Like the critical role guys did not need Kickstarter as a marketing tool. And I have, I have nothing against Critical Role, so I don't want the critters to come after me. I do. And say, come after yeah, me. Yeah, I do. do. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk. Let's talk. At me. Yeah, I have no problem with that. Like, my roommates are big Critical Role fans, and so um, they watch it. I've seen an episode or two. It's funny. Um, but they, they, they don't need these tools that these smaller indie developers need in order to get their games out there and known and funded. Yeah, and and that's kind of the that's that's always been my particular rub is like okay, so AEG or or Pinnacle Entertainment or anybody that has like an actual that has been is actually a business, a big business like that can get a loan to like pay, to build. You know, that's that's risky too, but like mm-hmm. that business is risk and and Kickstarter is alleviating some of that risk because they can just be like Hey, uh, yeah, you you gave us money, but we don't actually have to, you know, like we couldn't fulfill this. Sorry, mm-hmm. uh, and that damage to me that damage to me it damages the reputation of those big companies. Uh, I understand doing a Kickstarter when you're like expanding into a whole new realm of things that you're not known for. Like if you were going to do a miniatures line for like doomtown or something like deadlands if you're doing a miniatures line like i understand why pinnacle would want to kind of get people excited about that plus miniature kickstarters go gaga like or at least they used to i don't mm-hmm. i don't think they're quite as big as they used to be is like, everything seems to be much smaller but we're still consuming you know mm-hmm. the the consumption you know why do we feel like this 
to, to consume more game stuff when, you know, somewhat we're perfectly happy uh, with the things we have at this point. Like, what, you know. When you were talking about the Kickstarters not being as big as they used to be, like with the minis and things like that, I think that there's just more of them. And so it's spread out too. Like, I looked up, um, there's like 62,000 games being kickstarted right now or something like that and when i looked at role playing within that it was still like over 1300 you know so it's like if you're going on i want to find an rpg or minis or whatever it's just there's so many to choose from to put your money to so um it might just be uh a matter of there's just too many options you know so they're not as big anymore quantity over quality there you go there you go <laughs> yeah miniatures are still um rather big because like i know i hopped in on the bones 5 kickstarter um mm -hmm. and i'm actually getting that i actually had to like process my shipping and everything um at the end of the month so i'm excited to get that but the one thing i was going to add on to kickstarter in general and my take is i think that i agree things like um critical role don't really need to kickstart something like that especially with how big their viewership is um but you know i'll leave my personal opinions on kicks on um critical role to the side <laughs> because i can i i feel like uh me and uh richie have the same opinion with that mm -hmm. but uh when it comes to i think kickstarters in general the one model model i do enjoy and who i think does a good job of running a kickstarter is kobold press and i think if anybody knows me they know that i'm a really big kobold fan and essentially what they do is they actually do have a pretty 70 percent complete product and they will showcase it and advertise it on the kickstarter that they're wanting to you know kickstart and you get to see what they're working on you get to see completed parts of that product and essentially what the Kickstarter is doing isn't necessarily them saying, hey, we can't afford to lift this off the ground. It's basically, hey, we have this finished product. We're going to finish it. We're going to put it out. This Kickstarter is going to allow us to create and develop more in this area. And depending on how much more they want to add on, uh, you know, is dependent on how much is raised. So, for example, Toma Beats 2, which I have. Uh, the Kickstarter helped fund things like layers. So, you know, mini dungeons involving those creatures that are in the Tomo Beast 2, um, limited edition copies of it, and kind of this whole ecosystem for this product line that they're putting out. And they do the same thing every couple months. So, like, they did uh, Scarlet Citadel, which followed the same model, and they, they just recently did Southlands, which is kind of their desert Egyptian kind of area in their Midgard world. So I think when companies are very upfront with it, I'm cool with it. Like if they're saying, hey, we're going to finish this, but we just want to kind of develop it more, you know, give us your money politely. It's cool. But I do have an issue when um, it's like a, you can clearly afford this, but you're using it as a pre-order platform, which mm -hmm. I don't agree. As well as a, hey, here's this idea that I kind of doodled on a notepad. Can I, you, you know, all raise me $20,000. That Those are the two where I'm like, that needs to end <laughs> so yeah and i think like in the role-playing space the kind of the one of the dirty little secrets is writing and doesn't cost very much like writers don't get paid very well like at all realistically most of the money from a kickstarter goes towards art if it's a like a it's sole proprietor most of the money like i know that some of the some of the writers i know 
they basically don't even pay themselves, which I think is a shame. I think they should be paying themselves absolutely. But it goes towards getting art. Um, and and I, I totally understand that idea, but I think, and I'm, I'm glad to see it, is some of the Kickstarter goals have been going up. Because I, I've definitely, you know, remember the days of like a $500 Kickstarter, like or a $1,000 Kickstarter, <laughs> yeah. like the goals have been going up. I'm hoping that that writers uh, pay themselves because one of the reasons I buy like uh, back so many Kickstarters is because I know the, the some of these writers are my friends. And, uh, you know, they're, they're definitely uh, I want them to uh, be able to fulfill their dream. Um, I think a lot of there's there's great companies out doing things like Galant Nine is is a great uh, Kickstarter company. Exalted mm-hmm. Funeral does a great job with Kickstarter. They're they they do a great job of of communicating, of getting things to people, of actually fulfilling, you know, all that. But there, I. Uh, you know, they've even slowed down. Oh, I think Exalted Funeral might not be the only one that hasn't slowed down. But like, uh, uh, you know, we're this Kickstarter stuff and consumption in general. Like we, you know, like I have like 25 foot of books behind me. Like mm-hmm. I, I kind of just I kind of measured one shelf and I kind of added up. I was like, I have 25 foot of books. When am I ever going to use this? <laughs> I need to do that. Your feet. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I need to do that. Yeah. Just like measure your shelf and see, okay, do I need to do this? And the only, the, one of the reasons it keeps me going, keeps me buying is because I know people and I, I, or yeah, I get excited, but it's very, it's, it's very difficult to get excited about like Kickstarters anymore. Let's just say. That. <laughs> I, I think that. I, I think it's easy for me to get excited for a Kickstarter if we're talking about like that, you know, that excitement we all had in 2016, you know, that mm-hmm. we keep going back to. When it's a person I've been following for a while and I've seen their game develop and everything and they're finally using it to put out like their, you know, first hardcover edition or something like that. Because uh, I have the uh the one of the kickstarter copies of labyrinth lord and again uh, i'm a big labyrinth lord fan that's my go-to osr game and i have the old ziploc bags uh copies that were basically sold out of the uh, i forgot what his name is um from goblinoid it was sold out of his house like he would just Mm -hmm. stick them in a bag and then put your postage on it and then stick it in another bag and then send it that way like i have those so when it came time in I want to say it was 16 or 17 for his hardcover edition of Labyrinth Lord. Man, I was so stoked for that. I was like, finally, like this dude's getting his proper hardcover release. You know, like that's the stuff I get excited for still. I get excited for, um, you know, newer copies or revisions of smaller games that are just starting to break out, like The Sprawl, which is a PBTA game. I get excited for stuff like that. Um, that's kind of what gets me going. But in terms of, I, I think how I feel about that acquisition and consumption thing. The only thing I can really say is that it's just a dopamine rush for me of just, I want this book. It looks cool. And I think it'd look cool on my shelf. That's, yes. that's kind of what it boils down for me. And I, I, I'm not saying like, Oh yeah, just admit it. But for me, I, I have no problem admitting that it's just, mm-hmm. 
it's just a temporary purchase high that I did. <laughs> There's some people that like minimalism is the thing where they're like, oh, I'll just get the PDF. I don't need more books. And I'm the opposite of that. I am a maximalist where I really like to see it all lined up on the shelf or. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's collecting. So. Yeah. And, and the funny thing about that whole like uh, uh, buyer's high, right? You That's the, that's the highest. You, when you get it in, I, I you almost don't feel that same rush when it comes in anymore because you've lived with the idea that you've purchased this forever. And like to me, it's like there's some stuff I, you know, I, I you know, I really still kind of get excited when I open it up again. But like there's some stuff it's like, oh, yeah, I. I bought that a while ago. Uh, you know, am I ever going to use this? Uh, probably not. I'll just stick it on the shelf for a little while. Like, but does it look cool? I mean, that's that's the other thing is like sometimes it can look cool. I mean, you, you, mm-hmm. you cool looking stuff, but like I, you know, if if it's got some some insp- you know, it's that art that 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 most of the money goes to. You know, if it's really good, then I can kind of restoke the fires a little bit, but. You know, the idea, uh, you know, and there's some ideas that I will immediately like, I I want to hear your interesting ideas. And that's why I'm still kind of like uh, connected to the Kickstarter stuff as I want interesting ideas to come out there because I think we have not, I mean, there's no such thing as a perfect object, but I still think there's a lot of ground to be covered in game design. I mean, we've only mm-hmm. been doing it for less than 50 years to be on, I mean, modern role-playing and board game design is really less than 50 years old so we're kind of just in this kind of like you know still in this cycle of trying to find like you know we're are we are getting the beatles right the the whatever you know Mm -hmm. rock and roll really kind of existed for you know quite some time for 15 years before that but like it took a you know took a different take to like get people like mega excited that you know wasn't like the original El- you know elvis or even further back so it's mm-hmm. moving forward so yeah I, for me when it comes to like you were saying like oh yeah i i bought that and I'll, i guess i'll just stick it on my shelf the thing that i do um and it, it helps me sleep at night and not have that <laughs> buyer's remorse is if i'm buying a book or um like a top excuse me like a tasha's cauldron of everything if it's a game i need to play it at least once whether it's just me and my girlfriend or me and a couple of friends if i just play the system once i'm cool if it's a game i if i at least pull one or two things out of it i'm fine (laughs) like that's that's kind of what i use as like a metric of oh yep i've used that book and then i just won't think too heavily about how many times i've used it mm. but like I've, I've i bought the whole launch day um bundle from alien rpg played it once i don't feel bad that i spent like more money than i'm comfortable admitting on buying everything from alien rpg and whatnot you played it once it earned its spot exactly exactly yeah. It's in my. It's on my sci-fi section of my RPG shelf. Yeah, yeah I should probably just like burn my shelf at this point. But you know, it's no, don't. why? No, because <laughs> no, yeah, I, yeah. I haven't played most of these games. So, like, that's the other part of this. I, in actuality, I'm I'm interested in game design. One of the reasons I do a podcast is because I'm interested in talking about game design, and I I really like the idea of thinking about systems in kind of an abstract way. And I I help edit stuff for Brendan and. I, uh, you know, I, I enjoy finding new ideas. So that's one 
one of the one of those things the, one of the reasons I have such so many resources is for that. Mm-hmm. But you know, in the end, like I would love to play a lot of these games, but it's like having the time when you're, you know, doing when you're doing everything, having the time to even use all these things you've acquired, like mm-hmm. it, it 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 can be a little uh uh depressing at certain points <laughs> i think yeah, Willie it's... b had brought that up in the group at one point he was saying that um like if he started right now and played all of the books that he had he still would not finish them before he died <laughs> I, like, I feel hey. like i'm headed towards that direction <laughs> i okay i i also want to like i guess just add on one thing um, so, uh, going back to what you're saying, how you were, you were saying, Ashley, how you like seeing um, all of the uh, your books on your shelf and like the mm-hmm. physical media. Uh, that's me at heart. Um, I'm a big physical media person, um, mm-hmm. and I'm not, you know, saying if you don't do that, you're not a true fan or whatever. Right. Like, yeah. I have I have a bookshelf of all the Warcraft novels uh, behind me because I'm a big Warcraft fan. I have a big vinyl collection because I, I love collecting records and whatnot. Um, but and you know that tra- also translates into how I collect RPGs and whatnot. And whenever I have uh, you know friends come over or stuff in the past, and they see my shelf, and you know they go, "Oh wow, you do like D and D," and they see all of my <laughs> miniatures that I painted on my top shelf, and they go through and they're like, "Oh man, I've never seen like an old D and D book. Can I go through your shelf?" Like I almost feel like a librarian. Like yes. Yeah. Yes, you can. <laughs> you know, and then I've had friends, they just like, they almost have like a heyday going through it and like mm-hmm. all of that. And there's almost like this, this collector, um, what's, what's the word? Uh, not a, not a reliquary, um, curator, curator. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Curator. Um, so when I went and I got, uh, my death knight tattoo like two weeks ago, um, my artist was like, do you have any other books I can see? And I was like, yeah, sure. So I brought my old books, like three tattoo artists stopped what they were doing and were just looking through my uh 1977 monster manual my original copy of labyrinth lord and all of this so what this what i'm getting at is basically i get enjoyment out of basically being a library of either really old DD books which i have or even newer stuff like there's this sense of enjoyment that people can come to my place, get cozy, look at the different things I've collected, seeing how the game has evolved from mm-hmm. the early stages of the seventies, all the way up to newer stuff, you know, um, like uh, mothership or alien RPG or stars without number. And just kind of go, I didn't know that game existed because there's a slight chance that someone will go on that shelf, find something they like and go, this kind of makes me want to play RPGs. You know, mm-hmm. because that that's happened to me. I, I had a buddy that was interested in D&D, grabbed a PHB while I was in the bathroom, looked through it and went, hey, this looks cool. I didn't know that it was like a video game where you pick, you know, I want to be an orc mm-hmm. fighter or something like that. So that's that's my two cents on that. That that also kind of keeps me going and kind of keeps a consumption culture going for me is that I kind of like the the idea of me being almost like a curator of sorts. Yeah, that's awesome. And that that's that is fun, and I, I I do enjoy like flipping through them. I I just kind of like it. It's one of the things where like you know I I keep turning around to look at my my shelf, and I I do enjoy using them as a zoom background at this point. But uh, <laughs> it, it's it's somewhat the like I I so much want to use these books, but I also it's it's 
you're talking about cult and finding some, you got to find the right people to play cult. It's like putting, you know, somewhat my introverted uh, past, it's sort of hard to put myself out there to say, hey, I want to run this and spend all this time and then get crickets because I've definitely even, you know, this year had that happen before. <laughs> so, like, yeah, it, you know, it, it, it's, it, I enjoy collecting. It's one of those things I enjoy seeing things. I have my glass shelves of, of, of knickknacks and garbage over here, and that, that is my garbage, so no one else can have it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think uh, we're, you know, we are, in a sense, uh, uh, bolstering our love for a thing by buying something that helps us do a thing, right? This is This is the human... It's one of those human things to want to collect something you enjoy, I think. And uh, yeah. I think that's kind of my, my wrap-up. If anyone wants to say their kind of uh, some kind of uh, final statement, we can get, we can get this uh, show over and uh, get back to looking at our giant shelves of books. <laughs> uh, no, I really want to measure my shelves now, though. Like, that was a really good <laughs> idea. That's the takeaway from this episode, everybody. Go measure your shelves. I want to know how many linear feet of books you have. I need to make I a think, Discord channel that just says yeah. it's book bookshelf measurements. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah, do it. My final statement on the matter is um, this topic definitely made me go back and kind of think about what keeps me going, like with the whole consumption and Kickstarter and whatnot. And I think that I can best just summarize what's, you know, all the different points that are going off in my head right now. That um, at the end of the day, I think I'm going to keep going the way I'm going, which is, you know, oh, this game looks cool. Maybe I'll get it delivered in seven months or whatever. Or, hey, this book has a cool cover. I think I'm going to spend the $40 on it and then hopefully not regret it later. Mm -hmm. um, I'll just keep doing that because I think I've had too many times where I've bought something just on a whim and then ended up just really, really, really enjoying it. Like the sprawl was one stars without number was one. Um, blades in the dark is one that my girlfriend bought that ended mm -hmm. up. She loved it. Fate, uh, stuff like that. So yeah. I think, I think for me, like I'll, I'll keep doing it because even if I do get that dopamine high of getting a new book, um, there's still that chance I'll get something cool that I can incorporate into my games, you know, whether it's cross game type of taking an idea from one game, implementing it into another, or just, Hey, this was cool. I'm going to play it three or four times. And that's about it. I think the best example of this that I'm, you know, I can think of is when I bought 10 candles, I was up at like three in the morning one time and saw an advertisement for it on slash RPG on Reddit and bought it and i think i've played that game probably 30 times now it's, it's one of my favorite rpgs so good i love 10 candles it was so much fun we played it on halloween night and like had the lights off and everything was great so it's a lot of fun yeah yeah so yeah that's that's my point you know i'll keep doing it because there's a chance i'm gonna get something cool like 10 candles and then just fall in love with it <laughs> yeah 10 candles is amazing um i really uh you know Anyway, we, we like I said, we can we can keep going, but I think uh, I think we're got a nice uh, button on this one. I got a, a big announcement here for those that haven't seen. We now have a merchandise 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 shop on uh, T Public. Link in the show notes. 
And then, uh, so I've got a couple of designs I did, and then one design I took from Brendan that seems to be more popular than my designs. Anyways, uh, <laughs> and, and you can get them on masks. There's yeah, you masks can get them on available. masks on the back of phone cases. Uh, uh, I turned mm-hmm. off the. <laughs> there's a bunch of options I turned off because, like, uh, uh, you could get a onesie with Full Metal RPG on it. I was like, eh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty. I don't, I, I don't know. I didn't want any kid stuff with full metal RPG on it. Anyway, I might cut that out. Anyway, <laughs> um, that that's got some cool designs. Uh, mine just shipped because I, of course, ordered some for myself because these are it's one of these like print. They will print some and then ship them to you kind of place because we are not a fulfillment company. So uh, <laughs> having T-shirts laying around in somebody's closet was a little daunting. So uh, we will now have a more variety of things. And I think Brendan's going to do some scanning of some old designs. So we'll get some of that up there, too. Um, maybe a Jared Cocaine T-shirt. So for that those would be amazing. I would know, buy that. Yes. Uh, and uh, you know, join us on uh, Tiny Old tinyurl.com slash fullmetaldiscord. The Discord is awesome. It's always got some interesting stuff. Uh, a, rel- a relatively famous uh, designer dropped kind of a, a test document into our uh, into our game design chat uh, today, uh, today or yesterday. And, uh, you know, you, you kind of see, you never know what you're going to find on the Discord. I enjoy it a great deal. Mm-hmm. I enjoy it way more than the... Uh, but you know, if you enjoy Facebook, we're on the Facebook, we're on the Instagram. You can email us at fullmetalrpgofficial at gmail dot com. And uh, good night and good luck counting your books. Bye. Ah. <laughs> <laughs>